Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 115 called Venus. Today's episode is sponsored by Vios Fertility Institute. You guys, I've had the pleasure of working with Vios for Fertility Rally, and I cannot say enough good things about how much Vios gets it when it comes to infertility, fertility, and the patient experience. Vios is built on a foundation of patient-centered care, evidence-based medicine, and innovative technology. They have clinic locations throughout the country and patients from around the globe. And as a patient, you'll notice a difference from your very first phone call to the team celebration of your positive pregnancy test and everything in between. Bios physicians are board certified and fellowship trained reproductive endocrinologists and infertility specialists. Many of them have also experienced fertility treatment or a struggle to build their own family firsthand. The Bios Fertility Institute team works to create an individualized plan best suited for a patient's emotional, physical, and financial needs. I got to know Vios first through their social media handle, and I'm super impressed by their commitment to the fertility community overall. Through Instagram, Facebook, their blog, and other social media, they offer great resources and credible fertility education. Check them out in all the social places at Vios Fertility, and check out the blog on their website, viosfertility.com. To learn more about BIOS, to take advantage of that education and fertility information, or to schedule your first appointment, visit biosfertility.com. That's V-I-O-S-F-E-R-T-I-L-I-T-Y.com. Thanks, BIOS. Hi, everyone. If you're listening to this, you're listening to a little clip about everything with Allie Levine, my podcast. I'm your host, Allie, and my show is about everything real and raw. It's a mix of motherhood, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, wellness, spiritual well-being, business, you name it, and everything in between. We get real and raw on my show. I have such incredible guests. And I love to share everyone's real and raw truths and tap into that and find inspiration and empowerment through it all. So wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, please check out Everything with Allie Levine and say hello. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you want to connect with me on social media, my Instagram is Allie Levine Design and Everything with Allie Levine. Thanks so much, guys. And I'll see you on the podcast. Okay, guys. So today's guest, Venus, has such an interesting story. It's just, wow. Her name is Venus Morris Griffin. She's the mother of seven, six of whom were conceived via artificial insemination. And Venus left a lifetime of abuse to start over with her children. Her ex-husband was sentenced to 45 years in prison. She's now a writer and a super successful real estate agent, And she's going to tell us all about this and her new life. You know, now she's got a book coming out. And I told Venus, I can totally picture Reese Witherspoon optioning this book and doing like a mini series on Apple TV or something because she kind of looks like Reese. Go to my Instagram at Infertile Life Stories and you'll see a picture of Venus. But anyway, it's just an incredible story. It's a story of faith. You know, she grew up Catholic You'll hear about how she was kind of ostracized from the Catholic community when she used ART to have her kids. It's a story of resilience, and it's just a great, great story. So thank you to Venus for sharing it. And without further ado, this is Venus's infertility story. (music) 
Hello, Venus. Thank you so much for talking to me today. It's great to meet you. Nice to meet you. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So I'm going to start out and kind of give the uh, the ending to the story away, which is that you do have seven kids. The first six, I was married for nearly 20 years and they were all conceived through artificial insemination. I remarried and a couple few years after I remarried, I had a surprise pregnancy and at 44, I had baby number seven. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, so, so I've only had one natural pregnancy. That's amazing. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. What were you like as a, a young woman and did you always want to be a mom? Well, you know, I was, I kind of had a traumatic childhood mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what I wanted as far as a family and wasn't sure that I even wanted children until, you know, of course I met the love of my life in college and um, we married and he was really good with children. I was around his nieces and nephews and family. And we decided that we wanted to start trying to have a family. And he knew when he was dating me, he knew that he had an issue and wasn't sure if he could be a father. And he disclosed that before we married. He says, you know, I was born with only a half a testicle and I may not be able to have children. And I was okay with that. I said, you know, if you can't have children, if we can't figure that out, we'll figure it out another way. And if we can't figure that out, then, you know, I'm open to adoption. So you know, I went into the marriage knowing that it was going to be an uphill journey trying to start our family. So we waited. We were married a couple of years before we had our first child. I think we waited a year after we were married and said, okay, we know it's going to be hard. So let's start planning now. I married at 21. So I was, I was young. Mm-hmm. So at 22, I'm like, let's start planning now because I knew from the preliminary research that I'd done that it could take several years and we may not ever be able to conceive. And and I knew the younger I was, that the better my eggs were. Right. And so, so um, what was the plan? I didn't want to waste any time. So we tried just naturally to have children. And that, of course, that didn't happen. We never used protection for the first uh, ever, really. So a year and a half into the marriage. Mm-hmm. And so then I found a fertility specialist and we started with that whole process. And, you know, they start out initially with, you know, examining me, looking at doing lots of blood work and tests. And then, you know, they get sperm samples from him and examining him. And they told us early on, you know, he has really like no sperm count. He has no sperm. So you're going to have to consider using a donor or adoption because that's the only way you're going to have a family. Mm, And we, we initially, you know, I was fine with either, and I wanted him to be most comfortable with it because, you know, I, you know, since I wasn't the infertile one, I wanted to be sensitive to him. And I really knew whatever way we chose that it would be our child. It didn't matter how it gets here. It would be our family and our, our children. I love that. And so we found out about this company in Augusta called Zytex and they were, they're, they're a sperm bank. And basically um, we were very nervous and we were, we didn't want anyone to know. I was so scared that I went by my middle name because Venus, I mean, there's only like one Venus. In right. <laughs> and so I was so scared that someone would know me. I was very, like they said, you're like the most private person we ever met, you know, just to the extreme because Trip and I decided more him than me, but I was I was on board with it that uh, we didn't want anyone to know 
that we used a donor because, you know, we didn't want anyone to treat our children differently. And we were Catholic. And that's not something that the Catholic Church condones. They, mm-hmm. they, they don't think you should do that. And so I, I actually went to a priest and talked to him about it. And he basically ended up saying, you know, Venus ultimately is between you and God. This is what the Catholic Church teaches, but ultimately is between you and God. And I was peaceful with it. And I just said, you know, if God doesn't want me to conceive this way, then I won't get pregnant. But so he and I started with Zytex and it was really kind of neat how they did it. They um, kind of like online dating almost. I mean, you get pictures of all of these donors and what we tried to do because we were so secretive. The first thing we did, we, we matched the blood type up so that, you know, when the children were born and the blood type came out, that it would match mine and his. And so we weren't open to any donors that the blood types didn't go together. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's kind of crazy thinking about, I'm a little embarrassed actually thinking back at the extreme measures we went to keep it private. Why are you embarrassed? Well, you know, I, I just think for me, everyone's different. Just the the truth and just being confident in what you're doing and not worrying about what others think of you. I think it's, um, you know, I think that's a sign of strength and courage and, you know, I just, you know, because of my faith, I just didn't want to, um, I didn't want to be judged in my community. So I understand that. Yeah. Don't you feel though, as you get older, that that matters less, thankfully, what other people think and all that stuff? Well, I don't worry about that at all now. I mean, I was very young then, but you know, when, when it came out that my children were from our donor, it didn't come out to my, my husband of nearly 20 years went to prison and he, he disclosed it. And so I had to sit all the children down and tell them, you know, this is the way your dad and I conceived you. And, you know, long story short, when it got out in the community, I I was in this prayer group for, you know, close to 10 years with, you know, four of my very best friends and their husbands. And three of them turned their back on me because they said I was, I was a sinner and that I knew what I did was wrong. One of them told me that, you know, we're godparents to each other's children. She, and basically in one day, my husband goes to prison. She finds out my children from a donor and she tells me, you know, Venus, I'm sorry, I'm very Catholic, you know, you know, right and wrong. And you didn't just do it one time. You did it six times. Whoa. So our friendship ended and, and with all three of the women and their, and their husbands, because of the way I chose to have my children. Oh my gosh. So a lot happened between when you first started and what you just said about your friends. So can we talk about that a little bit? So when you guys did try to use, or when you did decide to use the donor sperm, tell me what happened with, you know, kid after kid. Okay. So we, we chose a donor that looked similar to our husband and, you know, he was, my husband was almost six, four. This donor was like, he said he was six, one. I'm not so sure. I believe that now because my son is like five ten. Mm-hmm. but um, you know, and so what I, first thing I did is all of the donor sperm that was there, I bought everything okay. because I didn't want for me, I didn't want there to be a hundred children by this one donor. And so I basically poured everything we had financially to buy all the sperm and having Zytex store that for me because we didn't know how many children we wanted to have. Right. But you knew you wanted more than one and you knew you didn't want any other kids out in the world. That's so interesting. Can I ask, you don't have to say, but was it expensive to buy it all? 
it was really expensive. Okay. Um, and we, my husband at the time probably made $50,000 a year. Okay. You know, I don't remember what the costs were, but it, it took everything we had to do it. You right. Know? Uh-huh. We put it on credit cards and paid credit cards off. I mean, we, it was really, really wow. uh, a financial, financial struggle for us, but yeah, I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't care. I came from nothing. My family lived in trailers and I was college educated and, and it didn't bother me to not have anything to, to make the sacrifice to have this family. Mm-hmm. So we bought all the sperm and then we started the insemination process. And so the first, um, with my first son, who is 25 now, and he's about to be a dentist next year. He'll graduate. Wow. It took me eight inseminations to conceive him. Wow. Okay. So, so were you doing I, IUI? I was doing artificial insemination. Okay. So what, what did that entail? Was it? So basically I would go in the hospital or the doctor's office. They would give me medications to take orally to stimulate my egg production. Mm-hmm. And then they would do blood work. And on a certain day of my cycle, then I would have to go in and get inseminated. Okay. Got it. And so, um, so I did it. It took eight times with my son mm-hmm. and in the middle of that, I think maybe my fourth insemination or fifth, they're like, okay, then, you know, something must be wrong with you too, because it's not really typical to have this many inseminations for a healthy 22 year old woman, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's pinpointed because they, you know, do ultrasounds to see my uterus or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and so then they did a procedure. They flushed my tubes out okay. in the hospital. And so, and maybe this was after insemination seven, maybe. Yeah, I think it was after seven, they flushed my tubes. And, you know, they said, you know, it shouldn't be, should feel like some mild cramping. I thought I was going to dang die on that table. It was the worst pain. I was like kicking and screaming. It was awful. And so they flushed my tubes out and they watched it on the monitor as they put this dye in there to flush to see if there was any obstructions to prevent the sperm from getting to where it needed to go. And they didn't see anything, which was a good thing. But the following month on my eighth insemination, I got pregnant with my son, John. And so the doctor said, you know, even though we didn't see anything, there was probably something maybe that could have, you know, prevented it from getting there. And so I got pregnant on my eighth insemination and we were so excited because we had already kind of started thinking about adoption and looking into that process because, you know, after eight years and eight inseminations and your hormones, you're up and down, up and down, up and down. Cause you know, you don't feel normal. You feel like a crazy woman, you know, I'm right, like, of okay. course. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I consider myself very emotionally stable and I, I don't get highs. I don't get lows. I'm just even kill. Yeah. I was just a mess. I mean, I don't, I was a mess. You know, was it affecting your, affecting your relationship too? Cause I had a lot of issues when I was on the hormones with my husband. Uh, I would say uh, we had issues and I didn't really realize we had issues. So it probably intensified the issues for sure. Gotcha. You know, it's, it's hard to have these highs and lows with these, you know, hormones, Clomid and all the other stuff that they're giving you, you know, with one of them, I'm taking shots in my stomach and, you know, it was just, it was just hard. And the emotional drain of, okay, am I pregnant? You know, on day, you know, you t- start your cycle day count and then take the pregnancy test 
you know, 10 days after your insemination and it's negative, you know, you take another one, it's negative. It's ne- you know, it's just like, you're so depressed or I was, I was 100%, just like, same. Yeah. I was so depressed. I'm like, what is wrong with me? You know, like all these people are having babies and I'm like, you think, start thinking something's wrong with you, which, you know, is not the way you should think either, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think it's normal and it's natural. So, um, on, I'll never forget on the eighth one, I'm taking the pregnancy test is negative. I take another one is still negative. Well, I would take three and four pregnancy tests after every insemination just to make sure it was negative. So we probably spent half of our dang money on pregnancy tests. Totally. I know that. I know so many people can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and even before, like when you're peeing on the stick to see, make sure you're ovulating, you get the clear blue easy where you're or whatever, yeah. you know, you do all of that, you know, but, but I'll never forget when I got that positive pregnancy test, I don't think I've ever been that happy in my oh. entire life. It was, yeah. you know, it was life changing. And I remember we went back to the doctor, um, we waited the two weeks and they did blood work and they're confirmed you're pregnant. So we tell all the family we're pregnant, we're excited. And of course, nobody knows it's a donor. They think it's his child. Mm-hmm. And we go back to the doctor for a sonogram two weeks later and, or how many ever weeks later, it's hard to remember. It's been 25 years, but yeah, exactly. uh, We go back and and they do an ultrasound and the lady's like, you know, I don't know how to tell you this, but there's no heartbeat. Oh God. And I'm like, what? She Mm -hmm. says, there's no heartbeat. And I said, I mean, I just felt like I was going to die. I felt like I was going to physically die. My heart was just, I can't even tell you how debilitating it was to to hear them say that. And they wanted to do a DNC on me because they said, we need to, you know, clean this out. And I said, you know, I'm not ready for that. You know, I want to, I want to wait. And, you know, they said, well, it could pass naturally on its own. You're, you know, still early. So let's give it a few more weeks. And if you haven't started bleeding, then come back in here and um, then we can do the DNC then, but you don't want to wait too long because you can, I guess you can get complications, infections or, or or whatever, if you've got a fetus, that's not viable. Right. Okay. Oh my gosh. So what were those two weeks like? So then we go back and we tell the family, okay, the baby's heart is not beating. It's we're not having a baby and everybody's devastated because this is our first child. Mm Mm-hmm. So we go back in a few weeks later and I just, I didn't have the feeling that the baby was gone. I just, I don't know. I just, in my heart, I was just like, I I don't know. I just, you know, they told me be as active as you can. Don't, you know, I mean, I was like riding wave runners and doing anything I can really to try to make the, make the baby pass or myself, you know? And so we go back in and I'll never forget the nurse practitioner puts the vaginal sonogram inside of me and, you know, she gets really quiet and it's just looking and I'm like, what? And she's like, um, hold on just a minute. Oh she gets a doctor and some more doctors. And there's like this plethora of people in the room looking at me. And um, I remember asking them, I'm like, what are the chances of y'all being wrong about this? She said, zero, zero. Mm-hmm. And so I've got all these doctors in there and, and the nurse practitioner and they look at me and they said, well, you have, you, you have a heartbeat. Oh my God. I just got the full body chills. Oh my God, Venus. And so, 
he was fine. And I'm so glad I did not let them do that DNC because he was fine. And my husband was there with me and we couldn't believe it. We were just like on this emotional roller coaster. Oh my God. And so we leave there. I'll never forget. My nephew was with us, you know, saying, oh, they caught a little jumping bean into me and so then we go back to the family again and said, okay, by the way, we really are pregnant. Oh, oh my God. You know, the baby is fun. And so over the next nine months, you know, it was just really perfect. And, you oh, know, wow. I, I gained, I gained a lot of weight with all my children between 40 and 60 pounds with every, sure. all, all seven of them. And then nine months later we had our son and it was just, you know, it's just like life changing. Of course. Oh my God. So um, this is your son, John, who's now 25. He's 25. He's got two semesters left before he finishes dental school. He's wow. the president of his class. I'm very proud of him. And he can tell. Does he know and this so, story, Venus? Yes. He knows his story. Oh, yeah. wow. And what so did they think happened. I don't know. And we were just so thankful. He was okay. We, we weren't even bitter, really. You know, you would think we'd be bitter. We were just like, praise God. Yeah. You know, and so we just went with it. And wow. And so we were so, I mean, really, he came out. And this is how, this is how my whole mind went. So, like, I'm pregnant with him. And so you hear all these stories about sperm getting mixed up or whatever. So I'll never forget him. Like, what if he comes out and he's like of a different um, nationality? I mean, what if he's like, you know, Cuban or, or African American or, whatever and we get called and everybody knows that we weren't honest you know so weird stuff goes through your mind because you know weird stuff goes through your mind and I just remember when he came out and he was just perfect and he was you know it was just like I mean there's really nothing you can say to describe the feelings you have but you know he he's just been the biggest blessing ever. Wow. And so once I had story. him, what a story. Yeah once, I, yeah. once I had him, we knew, like I knew I was put on this earth to be a mother, mm-hmm. you know, any questions I had before I'm like, you know, I was working on my master's degree in business when I got pregnant and I just said, you know, I'm putting everything on hold. I want to be a mom. You know, I want to give my kids children, the childhood I never had. And so I was full force. So we waited about a year and I didn't know how long it was going to take to conceive my next child since it took us eight inseminations. And at this point I had my son one month before I was 24. So I turned 24 in March and he was born February 15th. Mm -hmm. And so we started trying to have our next child, you know, a year later and we had our second child. It took me four inseminations to have her And we had her two years later, and then I wanted another one. And so, again, we timed it so it would be every two years or so. And so we had our third child about two years after that. Mm -hmm. And then... How many inseminations for the third? Do you remember? Yeah, so eight for the first, four for the second, two for the third. Okay. And then... (laughs) The fourth child we started, we got pregnant on the first insemination. Oh, wow. And so when I had my Sydney, she was born in December. And my son, uh, I had four children, five and under. Oh, my gosh. And so then I thought I was going to go crazy because it was really hard. (laughs) You know, I'm like, oh, my God, what was I, you know, what was I thinking to have them so close together? I should have spaced them a little better. But it was really the best 
when you have fertility problems, you look at everything differently. Totally. You know, I didn't, I didn't mind staying up all night. You know, I didn't mind. I nursed all of my children uh, a, a year to two years with the exception of Sydney. I had a spider bite and they put me in some medication. I had to stop about maybe eight months. I'm not sure. But I so waited five years. We had baby uh, number six, um, five, and then a year and a half later got pregnant and, and had baby number six. Okay, so, so they were all artificial all insemination? All the same donor. Did you have all the same protocol in terms of what drugs and everything, you like stims you were on and all that? They tried different ones with me. Um, okay. Like I only took shots in my stomach a couple of times. And I, I, I'm not sure why they did that. I just trusted them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but my oldest is a boy. And then I had four girls and then another boy. So I had you know, four girls and bookend boys. Oh my gosh. Tell me all of their names. So, um, John, he's John the fourth, um, Julia, Giselle, Alexis, Eva, um, Sydney Bailey. My fourth girl was, is Venus L. We call her L. My name is Venus. And then my last one is Charles Tripp. My husband went by Tripp, so we put Tripp in the middle of him. Love it. So, oh my gosh. And I'll tell you the coolest story. So I've got a book coming out, which, you know, this is a lot of information, but yes, I want to talk about tragically, the book. Tragically, my marriage ended 17 plus years into it. So when my husband disclosed to people that these weren't his children, it was so devastating, but I knew I had to sit them all down and tell them because I didn't want them to hear this from someone else. And I wanted them to know that we can see them out of love. Right. And so, so sorry to interrupt, but your, so your husband was, he had gone to prison. Yeah. He's, he's still in prison. He's been in there for 10 years. So can I ask why do you, is it public he record? Can. Okay. It, it is public record. It is devastating. You probably don't want to know. It will ruin your podcast. You probably no. don't want to know. Just maybe Google it. Okay. Yeah. And also, how old were your kids at the time when you did have to disclose this information to them? Yeah. So when my husband went to prison, my baby was one and I was nursing him and my oldest was 15. Okay. And so I had six children from 15 to one. Wow. And uh, so I sat them all down and I said, listen, your father and I could not have children, but we wanted children. So we had to do we had to do it a different way. And the good news is he's your dad. I'm your mom and you're biologically mine. So we, we, you know, in you're kind of half adopted and um, because of what he did and went to prison, it was almost a relief to them that they didn't have his genes. And I just focused on the positive and like, they've had zero issues with it. Like they just, they've embraced it, you know, and I think your children will be as resilient as you are. Yes. And I always focus on the positive and they, I mean, so a few years later, my mother, who is great, but she's really crazy. She's convinced that one of my children looks so much like Trip that maybe one of them is biologically his. So she, for Christmas, gives all the kids a DNA test. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so she's convinced in her mind that Sydney is biologically trips and the other five are from the donor. And so I'm like, mom, that's just, I mean, you're just crazy, but whatever. So she told all the kids, if you don't take this DNA test, I'm not ever getting your Christmas present again. Oh oh my goodness. (laughs) So I'm like, y'all just take the DNA test. It doesn't matter what what Grandma Judy says, just take it. And so I was kind of nervous too, because (laughs) 
she does look different. She's, um, I've got blonde hair, but she's, uh, my other kids don't have really blonde, blonde hair like I do naturally. Mm -hmm. Or I did naturally. Now it's gotten a little darker as I've gotten older. But Sydney has very blonde hair and she was my only blue eyed child. The rest of them, like their biological father, had light brown eyes or dark brown eyes. And so it comes back and all six of the children are biologically. 100% 100% sibling. So they didn't switch it up. She just got more of my genes than okay. the did. Were you relieved? Uh, I was relieved because I'm like, I really didn't want that drama of one child trying to figure out who or, you know, who, what happened or feeling like she wasn't part of the family. You know, it'd be fine yeah. if they were all from different donors. But if you've got one out of six, I didn't want that, you know? Exactly. And so the coolest, the coolest part about this, and I just think, it doesn't matter how you have a baby. It's just such a gift from God. And, but the coolest part is, so I have six children. Five of my children are extremely athletic. Like when I say athletic captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team, Mm -hmm. uh, a gymnast that's number two in the region out of seven states. I mean, just super athletic. And then I've got one child who is just amazing, but she walks to a different beat. You know, she was in physical therapy, occupational therapy, therapy and speech therapy from years because like she would fall just randomly. We thought she had muscular dystrophy or something. Mm. She doesn't, she's totally healthy, but she, she, she didn't walk to, she was almost two. And again, she just needed help and um, she's smart, but she has to work really hard to do well in school, but she does it. I mean, she's amazing. And so after this DNA test, evidently someone bought some of this firm before I got to it. Oh my and she gets an email and she calls me. She's like, mom, I think I've got a sibling. I think we've got some more siblings. I'm like, what? She says, yeah, this lady just emailed me and says, you came up as my half sister. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what? So it's a beautiful story, actually. So come to find out they have four other siblings. Wow. So from before you got the sperm. Before, because when I got the sperm, I knew that there was one other sibling because they called me and said, would you give some of your sperm to this other person? And I said, Kyle, I really want to do that. I said, but I, the reason I did this, I would have never, you know, I really want to have more children. And it took me so many inseminations. It may take me 10 with the next one. So I didn't want to give away future children. You know, so I didn't, I knew there was one, but I didn't realize there was four. And so my daughter gets the email and she goes and meets this family. And so she meets and they're in Florida and we're in Georgia. And so she meets, she's got uh, three half sisters uh, uh, by this, this one lady had three, three children. And one of them is just like her. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could be twins and it was the strangest thing. So this this half sister who now vacation just vacation with us. She's amazing. Oh my god! She walks to a different beat. She's yeah. a little yeah. bit different, but she's when I say different in a good way. I mean, yeah, she's this amazing person. And like her fingers look like my daughter's fingers. They're just short and stubby. Like okay. she she takes ten minutes to tell you a story that could take you like a minute to take. Right. And, and her sibling, and she, you know, it's not very non-athletic. And my, my daughter reads me this letter that her sibling, half-sister wrote. And it says, it said something along the lines of, my whole life, I felt like I didn't fit into my family. I was different. And I was trying to find my place and where I was at. 
And she said, now, I met my half-sister, Alexis, today. And for the first time in my life, I belong. And I have somebody that's like me. Wow. And she's now my best friend. And, I mean, they really are the best friends. And it's just that's so such cool. a beautiful story. That's it's beautiful. Just, yeah. And they're just, I mean, and they're just so special. And um, so it all worked out as it was. And her mother had a partner, too. There were It was two women. And, of course, you have to have a... You have to have sperm to have it when you don't have a man, but she's just a super lady too. I've just, you know, I met her. We all met at Disney World and met everybody one day when we were down there because they're in Florida. And it's just really just shows you that it doesn't, I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You just have to be persistent and figure out what you need to do to achieve what you want to achieve. And you don't need to worry about what other people say about you or think about you because life is beautiful and God has given us technology. I feel to be able to, to do these kind of things. And I, I see nothing wrong with it and I'm still Catholic. I love my faith. I think there's no perfect faith and, you know, no one should judge me except for God, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. I've lost those friendships 10 years later, still, you know, that, that was gone, but, mm-hmm. you know, but what I've gained with these beautiful six children is there's just nothing you can put on it dollar wise, what it's worth. I didn't care that we were like, we were, we lived in a one bedroom mm-hmm. oh, and wow. we had four, we had four children in that one bedroom and we closed in the porch and put two bunk beds in there. Wow. But I was so happy. Yeah. And and I have, it's hard being a parent. Parenting I mean, I am extremely successful now. I, you know, I sell $60 million a year in real estate and I'm recognized all over the country. That is great, but nothing is harder yet more fulfilling than being a mom. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say to people who don't have children of their own or not being able to birth them, you know, don't let that discourage you because you can be a mom and a parent in so many ways. Right. Yeah. You just have to stay focused on the positive and, and not focus on, you know, the challenges and, and just do what you need to do. Be persistent. Yeah. Can we talk about a little bit more about kind of being ostracized from your religious community? And it said in yeah. your bio to like your in-laws, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Was it, I know the friends had turned their back on you, but so was it the my, whole church or like what was going on? Well, okay. So my in-laws, they didn't know either. And so when this came out, I called and I, I told my mother-in-law, I said, listen, I don't know how to tell you this. And I hope you're not going to be upset or think any differently of me and the children. But this is what we had to do to get pregnant. And and she was amazing with it. They still treat my kids just the same. She had, you know, all of the fears that I had were mostly not rational. They were my, they were all my own set of insecurities because Mm -hmm. they still treat my children like they're, their grandchildren. I mean, they, you know, that was my fear that, that they wouldn't treat them like they were a blood relative. That was right. not a rational fear because good people don't do that. And if people do do that, you don't need them in your life. You right. know, now, as far as the, the prayer group friends, the one friend really, it was, I, I was just brought to my knees by losing our friendship because not only did I, my husband goes to prison for, for 45 years, I just lost my best friend who I vacationed with, who I did Christmas with and Thanksgiving mm-hmm. with, and I'm godparents to her child. She's godparents to my child. And so I thought, okay, this isn't rational. I said, I must've done something wrong. I mean, she's my best friend in the whole world. Mm-hmm. 
I said, I must, I must, I mean, I was a youth minister of the church. She was a youth minister. We, we were youth ministers together. And I said, I must have done something else. No one would turn their back after knowing the truth on someone for this. And so I took her out to dinner and I never will forget. We're sitting there and said, certainly I've done something. Did I like hurt your feelings? Have I, you know, have I done something that's upset you that maybe I don't know that I can make right? And I'll never forget. She looks at me and she says, you know, Venus, I'm just very Catholic. I'm black and white. Mm -hmm. And you, you didn't just do it one time. You didn't sin one time. You did it multiple times and had six children and you never told anybody. And she says, I just can't No, that's it. And with that, our friendship was gone. And she called you a sinner. Did that, did that hurt your heart? It did, but I, I knew who I was. And, and I knew that was a reflection of her ignorance right. Yeah, because, you know, you can judge the sin, not the sinner. She, until you walk into someone's shoes who can't have children, you have no business in judging what they do to get pregnant. Agree. And so she has seven children. I have seven children and they could not get pregnant. You know, they're trying not. So it's hard to understand somebody who's doing everything they can, sacrificing every financial means to conceive this big family, because that's, you know, that's what we wanted. We wanted the big family. And so she, she's just looking at, I'm a sinner, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, shame on her. And, you know, so my husband's ex-husband's been in prison about 10 years now. And she uh, came to me about a year ago and asked me if I just asked me to forgive her and that she hoped one day we could repair our friendship, oh, wow. which was very, very nice. So nine years later, and yeah. I said to her, I said, you know, I forgave you immediately. I said, I, I, I respect what you believe. It's just, you know, I've got to be my own person. I've got to do what's right for my family. And, you know, a true friend will, will respect differences and, and still be a friend. And I just, you know, she lost she lost the best person she could have. Ever. I mean, I would have stood by her through fire. You right. Know? Her loss. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, yeah. And so. Um, wow. Can you tell me about, was, you know, moving on and falling in love again and and then baby number seven? Well, so I, I remarried a few years after my husband went to prison. And this guy, he was almost 50 when he married me and I was seven years younger. And he never had kids, never been married. And uh, we were told by my doctor, Shirley, that, you know, I was infertile and I had went into like an early menopause early because of all the fertility drugs. And he said, you know, Venus, you don't need to worry about getting pregnant. And he's like, I love him. He's a French doctor who always say if I could have a second husband or now third husband, he would be it. He's just, he's like um, this amazing man. He says, you know, Venus. And he tells my husband, he says, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about birth control. He's like, you've got like less than a 1% chance of, of getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so he told my husband of that together. So we weren't using any birth control. And two years after we married, I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm pregnant. And I remember my husband saying, no, the doctor said you couldn't get pregnant. I said, honey, I've been pregnant six other times. I know what it's like to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pregnant. So he goes to the drugstore, gets a, a test, and I pee on the stick, and he got the cheapest dang test you could get in there. <laughs> and it, it came back with like a faint, like pink line, and the other one's a dark. He's like, no, see, this one's lighter than this one. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. 
the hormones there or it's not there. You're not kind of pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. So he goes back to the grocery store hiding because he sees people in there like a like a 10-year-old. I'm like, we're married. We're like 50. And uh, he's 50 and I'm 44. Wow. And uh, he buys a few more tests, like the most expensive ones, and they come back and they're positive. Oh, my God. And so... He still doesn't believe it. I mean, he still does not believe I'm pregnant. I'm like, what? And he's like challenged mentally. I'm pregnant. And so then we go back to my fertility specialist who who conceived my other children with me. And we're like, Dr. Servi, you said we couldn't get pregnant. He's like, well, let's do this ultrasound and confirm it, do blood work. So he does the ultrasound and he's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're pregnant. Oh, my God. And I never forget my husband saying, but you said we couldn't have any children. And he says, well, you know, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Just enjoy it. It's a miracle. You know, and then he's kind of poking fun at me, go sell 20 houses and run five miles and then just enjoy it. I'm like, oh my God. So my husband still, he says, but listen, Venus, you're 44. He said, there's a extremely high chance you can miscarry this baby because Mm -hmm. of your age and your blood work is kind of low. And so just be mindful that there's a really high chance you're going to lose this baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And so my husband refused to get mentally, emotionally attached to this baby until it was viable. Mm-hmm. He would not accept that we were really, you know, he just knew I was going to miscarry. Right. Okay. And I understand part of, that. Yeah. Part of that is, I think it's just his not wanting to be devastated because of he course. never thought he would have a child of his own. I mean, he's 50 yeah. years old. You protecting know? his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Protecting his heart, which you know, I don't, I mean, I probably would have done the same thing. So, so I'll never forget when we got to week 26, which is, I guess it's when it's, you know, it could be born and, and survive. Like he changed. It was like a light switch and he was so happy, like glowing, just, mm. and he's really like, we, we had, you know, he wanted a boy, we had a girl and now he said, thank God he knew better than me. Cause I wouldn't trade this baby for anything in this world and he is a really he's a super dad and and she loves her daddy i mean she is she's a daddy's girl and and she's now she's five she'll be six September. so what's the age so you've got from 25 to five yeah 25 to five wow i'll tell you uh i've got twin grandbabies now too my daughter my daughter was in college a freshman 19 and got pregnant wow and didn't tell us because she was dared to tell us that she was pregnant. And I got a phone call from my best friend who deserted me from her husband and saying, I've heard Julia's pregnant and we didn't want her to do anything to the baby and wanted to let you know, just in case you don't know. And I was like, no, I said, Julia's not pregnant. I said, she would tell me if she were pregnant. So I didn't, I I didn't tell her I knew. So I got a pregnancy test. I drove up to the university where she was attending college. And I told her I wanted to take her out to lunch and took her out to lunch and I said, now I need you to go in the bathroom with me and pee on the stick. I need <gasps> to see if you're pregnant. Whoa. Yeah. What did so she, she say? She, she, she attempts to pee on the stick. She's like, I'm not pregnant. I'm not pregnant. I said, okay, well, let's go in the bathroom. I want to watch you. She drops the stick in the toilet, like, like an accident. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, that didn't work in with me. And she's so, then she burst out tears crying and told me that she was pregnant. Wow. How and, did the other uh, family know? Uh, because you had told a friend or something. You know, it, it just takes one person you tell and that's yeah. out. Wow. I mean, they're, they're going to make somebody else, you know, swear to secrecy and they're going to tell somebody, but yeah. And so, you know, my son who was 25 said, you know, mom, 
And because of how I conceived, I knew we would, I mean, this was not, not a big deal. I mean, it, it, it's just, you know, maybe not the best timing, but I think every child's a blessing. Yeah. And my son says, mom, she's not dying. She's not on drugs. She doesn't have cancer. And so she had those twin babies at 19 and she finished college in four years with an accounting degree. She's a, she's a really a super mom and there'll be four in July now. So I was still nursing my seventh child when she's giving birth. She went on vacation and her water breaks on vacation. And so we have to rush her to a hospital, like, you know, 45 minutes away. And she gets, gets a C-section for these two identical girl twins. Um, But we we go to the doctor. I'll never forget, you know, here I am with my 19-year-old, finding out she's pregnant, going to a doctor, getting a sonogram, finding out she's about over halfway to have these babies. And I mean, she was like 20 weeks. And the doctor said, well, the good news is everything looks good. And here's baby one. And I'm like, wait, I'm like, I've had seven pregnancies. This sonogram looks different than mine. And they said, well, here's baby two. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So it all comes full circle. But I'll tell you what, and those those three children, Hannah Lou, mine, and her twins are like best friends. And it's just everything happens for a reason. You You don't understand it when you're going through it. But if you really just look at the big picture in life, even if it's not what we want, you know, we don't get what we want. We don't, we can't have children naturally. We, you know, you have to adopt or you choose not to have children at all. It's just, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. If you know that in your heart, I mean, life is, life is good. Tell me a little bit more about your book, Venus. And my God, you have lived some life, my friend. (laughs) You have. Well, my book is... Uh, it'll be out this year. It's done. It's with an editor right now. And I've got a publicist in Utah and another one in California. You know, I don't really know how it goes from the book to a publicist, but it's it tells my journey from childhood of growing up in a, an abusive family with a mother who struggled with drug addiction and alcohol addiction to being on the verge of homelessness at 14 to watching my brother go to prison and my sister abandon her children and, you know, disappear to working two jobs to put myself through college and to marrying your high to your marrying your college sweetheart to him going to prison for 45 years to, you know, being a stay at home mom, husband in prison. And I have nothing. I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And I don't know how I'm going to meet their basic needs. I've got these six amazing children, one to 15, and I'm a mom in a two bedroom and a husband in jail with no backup plan to just getting my real estate license to, you know, making $20,000 the first part of my first year in real estate to a hundred my second to 300 my third to 500 my fifth to a million my seventh to grossing, you know, I gross a hundred to two fifty a month now in, in gross commissions. And it shares my story of it doesn't matter what happens to you with hard work, determination and, and faith, you can get through anything and not just achieve. You can, you can exceed anything that you want to. You just have to have a work ethic. You have to have, you know, you have to figure out what your why is and, and you can get through anything and succeed. And so that's what my book is to give other women, especially hope that go through really hard times. And it's from infertility to just everything that, you know, I'm this, you know, I'm this woman who's worth millions of dollars now with zero debt. And 
I've got seven great children. It's still hard. And don't get me wrong. I have my moments where I still feel like I want to cry. But you just get up every day. You put one foot in front of the other. You try to make the best decisions you can. And you're going to be successful as a parent in your work field. Whatever it is, you're going to be successful. And so my book shares my journey. And I think it's going to change lives really all over the world. Because when people see my story, then I think it's going to give them hope with their own stories. And, you know, even it, you know, I don't know my father, my, my mother had me in an adultery affair and didn't tell me I had a different father till I was 17. And I'll never forget calling my father. And he's like, I don't know who you are. Your mother's lied to you. And, you know, it shares that. And and he's a great man. And I've only met him one time, but, you know, they were scared. They were young, but I choose to focus on, I was given life. And this is, I'm so thankful that I've got a father that gave me life, even if he's not active in my life. I'm I'm just full of gratitude. And that's that's what you have to do to to be happy and to forgive others. You know, my husband's in prison. He betrayed me, you know, terribly. You know, he had a full trial in Augusta and was sentenced to 45 years, leaving me with six kids. You know, you forgive people, you take yourself out of really hard, bad situations, and you you just keep going. And as long as you can look up, you can get up. guys wasn't that wild can't you see reese witherspoon playing her in a movie i'm putting it out into the universe i want that to happen anyway thanks to venus for sharing it thanks to all of you for listening i'm so appreciative of all of you guys for listening every week and sending me great messages and dms if you guys have a second and you haven't already reviewed or rated the podcast it really helps us get noticed and you know reach more people so if you have two seconds just go to wherever you listen and do a quick rating and a quick review and i would be forever appreciative and the other thing is if you are struggling and you're seeking community and people who get it check out fertility rally which is my membership community that i co-founded it's the place i wish i had when i was going through it we've become a family we're coming up on being a year old And we would love to have you join our family and become a member. We have weekly support groups for infertility and also pregnancy after infertility. We have curated events. We have tons of content and so many great things. So definitely check us out at fertilityrally.com or on Instagram at fertilityrally. Thanks again for everything. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next time.